Good morning and welcome to the Saturday Morning Show. Orion Samuelson with you. I'll be joined by Max Armstrong and a few other people between now and uh, 6 o'clock this morning as we catch up on the world of agriculture and the harvest season and some special events as we approach Veterans Day or Armistice Day. Regardless of uh, your age, you probably have different names for the holiday coming up this week. But we're Good uh, to be with you again this morning. We always look forward to it. But some of the information that we've had to add to our morning report continues to dominate. Uh, Of course, the count for the presidential race and the count that I um, provide every morning at this time. And here it is, the bad news. The United States yesterday reported a record increase in new coronavirus cases for a third straight day. At least 121,237 new infections, and the outbreak is spreading in every region with 19 out of 50 states reporting record one-day increases yesterday. That's according to the daily tally from our friends at Reuters. So uh, we keep talking about this situation. As far as the harvest season is concerned, well, I think we have made the Thanksgiving Day headline for putting away the uh, grain carts and the combines for this season as we've continued to have unbelievable weather for this time of the year. Right now, I'm at 51 degrees on my thermometer in the backyard of my home and patio and patio here in Huntley, Illinois, and uh, I can't remember in early November that we've had weather like we've had, but let's continue to enjoy it while we've got it. And uh, it's great that we're able to put the combine away on schedule or ahead of schedule because of the good harvest weather that we have had. So uh, we're still counting uh, to make it official, but it looks like Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. But while the nation was watching the presidential count uh, that we've been looking at since Election Day, there was a surprise and a disappointment for me in the agricultural community. And uh, I was surprised that Democratic Congressman Colin Peterson, who was chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, failed to win re-election in Minnesota on Tuesday, and that's a loss that some agricultural leaders said could hurt a lot of the agricultural community. Now, the rules, of course, are that uh, the party that retains control of the White House, the uh, in this case, the uh, change that could be coming with uh, Joe Biden as president, and it's pretty much uh, taken for granted now that that's going to happen. But for Colin Peterson, who I've known for years, have interviewed many times during that time, I was um, I was surprised 
almost shocked by the fact that he did not retain his seat in Minnesota. I thought he was solid up there, but apparently he wasn't, and uh, so he is no longer going to be serving as chairman of the House Agriculture Committee. And uh, there are few legislators, few members of Congress that have the legislative knowledge of agriculture, as does Colin Peterson. And although the Democrats uh, retained control of the House and therefore will again chair the committee, Peterson's exit could shift spending away from a region hammered by trade wars and weather situations. Ruling parties take seniority into account when selecting committee chairs, and that provides an opening for a new chairman of the House Agriculture Committee. Could be picked from Representatives Jim Costa of California, David Scott of Georgia, and Marsha Fudge of Ohio to lead the Agriculture Committee. House Agriculture Committee has jurisdiction over a vast range of agriculture and rural issues, including the Farm Bill, Renewable Energy, Disaster Assistance, Nutrition and Crop Insurance, And in case you've forgotten, we write a new farm bill every five years. So the next new farm bill will be put together between now and 2023, when we'll have to have a new farm bill in place to serve the agricultural community. But this discussion of the farm bill generally starts years in advance because it's complicated, not easy. Former U.S. Senator Heidi Heitkamp of uh, North Dakota, a Democrat uh, from there, said Peterson's defeat was, quote, devastating because he understood intricacies of the legislation and he has long worked with Republicans who will retain control of the Senate. And uh, Heitkamp said Colin knew more about the farm bill than anyone else in Congress. And Republican Michelle Fishbach, who beat Peterson and will seek a seat on the committee, is uh, also quite knowledgeable in agriculture but doesn't have the experience in putting together a bill. But then there is another interesting aspect to all of this, What will Colin Peterson do when uh, he moves out of the Congress? And uh, there's now speculation that his name will be at the top of the list to be Secretary of Agriculture in a Biden administration. So far, he has not responded to requests for comment, but uh, not bad if uh, Colin Peterson would become Secretary of Agriculture, I think. And uh, Joe Glauber, who uh, is the in the uh, current uh, Department of Agriculture as an economist, said, I would think that if Biden wins, Peterson would go right to the top of the list for USDA Secretary of Agriculture. So, quite a bit of speculation in many areas as we move forward with the count. 
and uh, yesterday uh, had some company here at the house. Holly Spangler with Prairie Farmer Magazine spent uh, some time at our house yesterday and at Jameson's, and uh, we uh, talked a lot about the changes in agriculture that we have seen and that we're going to see from the standpoint of legislation. But uh, the uh, work that has to be done by the House Ag Committee on a new farm bill will be starting right now and it'll be interesting to see whose name comes to the top for the various positions of leadership and uh, those names who will move out of the uh, leadership uh, community but as i said I was sorry to see that uh, Colin Peterson could not help uh, or could not keep his seat in Minnesota. I was uh, surprised and disappointed by that information, and uh, so we'll have to see what's going to happen. But uh, as I said, uh, we put the combines away. Uh, Holly Spangler, who visited yesterday, said, yep. Their combine is parked on their farm uh, near Macomb, Illinois, because they are done with the harvest for the year. And various reports on uh, how good the harvest actually was because of that uh, new word that I learned during the fall weather season, the derecho. That windstorm that came through the heart of the Midwest from Nebraska on the west all the way to Iowa on the east. And uh, we're still getting numbers and waiting for numbers on the uh, yield situation because of the derecho situation that impacted agriculture in a very important part of the country. So... We're going to uh, check in with Max Armstrong uh, for a special report this morning as we approach whatever you call it, Veterans Day, Armistice Day, or whatever, because uh, there's a uh, an event that takes place every year a little bit south of Chicago that takes uh, the understanding of Veterans Day to a different level than I think most of us have known and uh, done during our lifetime. So Max is uh, going to join us uh, with a Will County farmer who has an interesting story to share. So we'll join Max and that farmer when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. It's 19 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Saturday morning. Uh, temperature here in Huntley, Illinois, 51 degrees on the start of another beautiful fall day with the colors in full bloom on the trees. The maple in my backyard here in Huntley has lost most of its leaves, but it was an extremely colorful fall for that uh, maple tree that we've enjoyed in our backyard for such a long time. But uh, talking about events coming up with Thanksgiving and with the holiday season, there is an event this uh, week that uh, gets observed in different ways across the country, and that is Veterans Day in my language, Armistice Day in my dad's language, but uh, it's a day that we salute the veterans who have uh, given their all to preserve the freedom and the 
opportunities that we enjoy in this country today. So um, Max Armstrong uh, had a chance to visit with the community leader that observes Armistice Day or Veterans Day in a very special way. So Max, how about sharing that with us this morning? Ori, and the end of harvest is on our mind after we visited with so many producers this week who had finished up, they'd put the combine away, or they were working their way through fall field work, getting some tillage done. We wanted to check in with a friend of ours in Will County, Dave Kestel, to see how the harvest has gone. Have you wrapped it up yet, sir? Well, we're getting awful close, Max. I've had um, more than my share of some combine issues this year, just silly things, but they, they slowed me up quite a bit, and we uh, got all those things behind, but uh, that week that it was up in the low 80s, and everybody was combining beans, well, there was a few days there I didn't do anything, and then there was a couple days I, I did corn, so I, I lost some time there, but um, you know, the good Lord has blessed us now with this first part of November here, which is just incredible weather in the mid-70s for crying out loud, and um so I finished up beans yesterday, and I, and I have less than 100 acres of corn to go, and it's just going to go in the bin here at home. And and holy cow, I don't even think I'm going to turn on the heater. It's I mean, it's 113 day corn, and it's it's 14 percent. So I blow the chaff out with the fan when I'm putting it in there, and it close her up for the winter. Nice to save a little bit of energy and save some energy expense. You did have a little disruption in this harvest season. There was a wedding, wasn't there? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just a little, a little disruption here in the shed. Yeah, my daughter, uh, my daughter Frankie, she got um, she got engaged here a year or so ago, and and I said to her, I said, you know what, sweetie? I said we got the nice shed here and the concrete in there and all that. I said, why don't you have the reception right here at home? A couple years ago, before all this other craziness happened, right. that, that was the plan, and. Um, Frankie's mom, who I get along with, like bread and butter, butter uh, she is so organized, and she got everything together. Um, pretty much all I did was clean up everything, but I, I painted all the buildings this summer. I re-landscaped a lot in the yard. I did all that proudly by myself, because uh, I know my dad from up in heaven is looking down and, and was watching us. But, yeah, we had one heck of a party here the 3rd of October. <laughs> we had about 250 people in the shed, and it was just, it could, it could not have been any better it looked like there was a lot of effective social distancing for well, for the record we'll say hey quick question i know you are so involved every year in wreaths across america and i had the privilege on a couple of occasions to be out there at the abraham lincoln national cemetery which continues to be so important and growing in importance to so many chicagoland families as our veterans are laid to rest out there and i wanted to check in with you here as we're coming up to veterans day Will there be wreaths across America this year? I know you and, and fellow folks with livestock uh, trailers in Will County have helped many years with that. Yes. Well, as you know, my dad has been down there now uh, resting for just about four years. It'll be four years in December. So we were doing wreaths across America. I was involved in it before before we uh, before dad went up to heaven. But it, means a, and it meant a lot then, but it means a whole lot more now. The way it's going to work this year, there's going to be a ceremony that no one can go to. It's going to be, I guess, live streamed on the computer or something. I'm not 100% sure on that yet. But the wreaths are all going to come in to the Farm Bureau like they do every year. In fact, I got a phone call today from one of the truckers, and he's got the date set up. I believe it's the day before wreaths. So it's going to go over a period of four days. 
We will get all the wreaths into our livestock trailers, however many that ends up being this year, hopefully a lot more than last year. And then over the four days, we will take one, two, three, four, five, I don't know how many trailers, to the village of Elwood, which is just a stone's throw from the cemetery. And then all the volunteers, let's just say that you showed up, you were going to be a volunteer that day, and we would give you two, three boxes of wreaths. Okay, you go take these and you go disperse these on the veterans' graves, and I'm sh- there's always grave specific, so we would give you a sheet of paper and say, okay, here, Anthony Kestel's grave, he's in Section 17, Row 1. Um, we'll make sure you put a uh, wreath on there for the grave specifics. But it's going to go on. It's just going to be a little bit different than in years past. For folks who want to help out, they can get information at a website, can't they, about wreaths across America, about the national effort? Yes, Wreaths Across America and Abraham Lincoln, if you just do a a Google search on that. And then you can always call, the Will County Farm Bureau is really involved in it. Call the Will County Farm Bureau. They can answer any questions. They can get you the form that um, to do a grave specific if you have a loved one there. And the Will County Farm Bureau's phone number is 815-727-4811. And they can answer any questions. But, yeah, you can go to the website there. Uh, Reese Across America, but make sure it's Reese Across America, Abraham Lincoln. Because that's uh, the specific cemetery. It's done in cemeteries all over the United States, isn't it? Yes. In fact, this trucker today, he worked for J.D. Hunt, and they were hauling, oh my goodness, it was like 13 or, or I mean 15 or 20 loads. In fact, one of the loads, they were taking to Seattle. It was getting on a ship, and it was going to Alaska, to a national cemetery up there. Really? And I thought, holy cow, would I have loved to go up there. (laughs) Climbing a mountain up there. I know you. Hey, young man, (laughs) congratulations for all the years that you've been helping out. And as I said, when I've been out there, it's a very special way to uh, move through the holiday season. And regardless of the day of the year, we should not forget our veterans and uh, those who are still with us. Uh, They, um, in many instances, struggle. It can be tough. Yes, it can be. I mean, I I was not military, but... Um, I hold all of those men and women in the highest regards because we wouldn't have the fabulous United States of America without the military. Always good to talk to you, sir. Congratulations on a good, safe harvest. Get it all put away, and we'll catch up with you another day. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, sir. Dave Kestel in Will County, out in that Manhattan area, or in one of those lending a hand with wreaths across America every holiday season. A great tradition and one that continues, and I'm delighted to know that. So uh, thanks to uh, Dave and all the other people who get involved in the uh, wreath uh, salute to our veterans, those who have left us and those who are still with us. And uh, we say thank you to them on Veterans Day, November 11, coming up just a couple days from now. I continue to get the announcements from various organizations that are going virtual with their meetings or conventions or events and some outright cancellations. And the cancellation that I got uh, just a couple of days ago uh, touches me a great deal because I've been involved with it since 1965, and that's the National Outstanding Young Farmer Congress because uh, it's held every January, but it won't be this year. They have canceled the 2021 
National Outstanding Young Farmer Awards Program. I'll talk a little bit more about that on the other side of news here on these Saturday morning show. Yes, you heard correctly that we're going to be in the 70s again today as the beautiful fall weather continues and uh, we move into the holiday season. Let's hope we are able to, if we're going to travel at all for the holiday season, that we'll have a continuation of this really good weather that we're having. Right now, we say welcome to Samuelson Says. I'm Orion, and as we move out of this year into 2021, we continue to see our calendar of agricultural events changed because of COVID-19. Last week, on Election Day, every American focused on the numbers in the presidential election. But there was another election that caught my attention because of its impact on American agriculture. Here's the story. Democratic Representative Colin Peterson, chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, failed to win re-election in Minnesota on Tuesday. And since ruling parties take seniority into account when selecting committee chairs, That provides an opportunity for other House Democrats like Jim Costa of California, David Scott of Georgia, and Marsha Fudge of Ohio in consideration to lead the Agriculture Committee. Now, the Ag Committee has jurisdiction over a vast range of agriculture and rural issues, including the Farm Bill, Renewable Energy, disaster insurance, nutrition and crop insurance. And keep in mind that the farm bill is rewritten every five years. So the latest farm bill expires in 2023. That means the new chairman of the House Agriculture Committee will have a major impact on the language of that bill. I know Colin Peterson. I've interviewed him many times during our careers and always found him to be intelligent and understanding of all farm issues being talked about by both parties. And the other thing that I'm hearing lately is he could very well be considered to become Secretary of Agriculture under a Democratic administration. But frankly, I was surprised at the loss of his district in Minnesota. But whoever replaces him as chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, I wish him well, and I wish him success in writing a new farm bill. And I can say one more thing, that's not going to be easy in 2023. My thoughts on Samuelson Says. A presentation of Nexstar Media Group, and there will be a lot more conversation about the future on agricultural issues and agricultural legislation. 
going to be an interesting year and an interesting time for agriculture as we again look to the foreign market to take up much of what we produce that we can't consume. So it's going to be interesting. When Mike Johans became Secretary of Agriculture, uh, he traveled the country to talk to farmers and agricultural leaders about what they wanted to see in the new farm bill. And I had the opportunity to travel with him to two of those events, and it was interesting with some of the ideas that people who are producers, farmers and ranchers, would like to see in a farm bill, and I'm sure that will not be any different in the writing of the farm bill that has to be completed by the year 20. 23. Market-wise, I continue to be pleased with the buying that I'm seeing almost on a daily basis from China as they continue to be active buyers of soybeans, but also corn and pork because of the devastation that African swine fever produced in the country of China, which is the world's biggest producer of pork and the biggest consumer of pork. And so uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about in writing the new farm bill. We're at 20 minutes before 6 o'clock, and uh, a little bit later I'm going to run through the schedule of change for agricultural events as we move out of 2020 and how many how many emails have i gotten from farmers and other people who say boy i'll be glad to see when 2020 is over because it's not been a good year but it doesn't mean covid19 is going to stop but it does mean we're going to see a relatively new schedule for the agricultural events that uh, we've been used to uh, having at the same time every year for many, many years. At 19 minutes before 5 o'clock, we're going to uh, check in with uh, Mike Pearson, who joins us every week here on the Saturday morning. Oh, I should respond to an email that came in a few minutes ago saying, Hey, where's Jim Fazell this morning? Is he okay? Well, the gardening season is over, and so Jim Fazell generally takes a break, gets to sleep in on Saturday morning because we're not doing anything in the way of gardening other than planning, and uh, Jim talks about that whenever he's with us, but uh, it's been typical in our relationship and his reports here on the Saturday morning show that uh, come Halloween, the gardening season is pretty well finished for the this year, and so Jim uh, takes a few Saturdays off. We'll probably have him back during the holiday season to talk about Christmas tree preservation, but we enjoyed the opportunity to share Jim's expertise with you and with me every Saturday morning here on the Saturday Morning Show, but that's an answer to the emailer who said, where's Jim? Is he okay? Yep, he's okay. And we're already talking about some ideas for next year. But right now, let's check the market story for agriculture for this week. And for that, we turn to Mike Pearson. 
Well, folks, we made it through Election Day, and we've seen the grain markets continue to rally. To help us understand what's impacting the prices you receive on your farm, Tommy Grizafi is joining us this week. And, Tommy, we've come through the election season. We've seen the grain markets continue their rally. March corn back up above $4. We're north of those pre-election highs. The demand is still out there. Is this going to continue through the month of November? Let's hope so, Mike. It's been a long time since we've been on shows being able to talk about elevated prices. And we're not just kind of moving up. The markets have, have had an incredible bounce. We Before the election, we had a nice go at it, and we pulled back. And some people thought it was over, but a demand bull market gives you a chance to get in. This week, just a phenomenal week in prices, and let's hope it, it continues. But most importantly, we're seeing great export sales. The bigger question, Mike will be pretty soon. Do we have enough to go around? Are we going to run out of soybeans? And how high does the price have to go to make that stop? Well, let's talk about soybeans right off the bat. We're north of $11 in a lot of the uh, deferred contracts. These are prices that not a lot of growers penciled in on their balance sheets earlier in the year. Tommy, how should they be taking advantage of it? Think about 2020. That's so 2020, Mike. The government gave out a huge amount of money, WIP, WIP plus, crop insurance, uh, still fighting with China money, everything. And then you get a rally like this. Wow. Farmers might owe taxes. We know how much that upsets them. But moving forward, what do you do, right? So as things change politically, is the government going to keep handing out money? Can you count on money from the government to run your operation? We have a bull market. We have a demand bull market. But moving forward, Mike, I'm concerned concerned for American agriculture and that the farmer stays disciplined and keeps protecting price. They don't have to sell it, but try to throw some floor under there and keep a nice price because your bankers also see the market rallying. Well, then that's the truth of the situation. But we have seen, as you mentioned, continued strong export sales. Corn exports this past week exceeded analyst expectations on the high end. Tommy, as long as there are foreign buyers, are we going to continue to see prices rally? That, that would be wonderful, wonderful. But I think we have to think forward about this year. Right, So to say markets can continue to rally, this is the year crude oil traded negative $45. And markets can do whatever they want. And maybe this is the year, Mike, I don't want to get people's hopes up, but maybe this is the year that we really surprise to the upside. 2020 is going to end with a bang, and I'm sure 2021 is going to be just as interesting. Never in the history of the world has there been a, this pent up, this much pent-up capital. And interest rates across the world are record low. England actually talked about going to negative interest rates, and they gave out money that's equivalent to a couple thousand dollars per person. There's funny money out there, Mike, and it's looking for a home. Maybe agriculture is the spot. Time will tell. So, Tommy, are we seeing that influx of investors into agriculture as of yet, or right now are we still buying fundamentals, so to speak? Mike, we have the best of both worlds. We have speculative longs in there. We have people interested in buying things. And then we have a supply and demand problem. So the supply was light. The demand's high. It's a perfect mix for volatility. A lot of growers are thinking ahead to next year. Tommy, this has been a really good fall. A lot of folks were able to get into the field, get some work done, maybe get caught up. What does that tell you about acre expectations for 2021? Well, the March acreage expectations, uh, it's always a big number. And we have elevated prices now. I can only imagine with weather problems in South America and continued demand, how motivated the American farmer will be to plant a record amount of acres between fall 
work being able to get caught up on, especially up my friends up in North Dakota, uh, a, a huge amount of ditching, uh, fertilizers on, they are ready to go. Turn the clock to spring, watch for North Dakota to plant a record amount of acres. And not only up there, but across America. One other thing to keep an eye on, prices are going up. Check your local fertilizer prices. It's not often that you see low fertilizer and elevated prices. You might want to get some of that secure. Tommy, with the expectation of increased acres in both corn and beans next year, should growers be getting any price protection on next year's crop given this rally? Absolutely. It depends on your storage situation. For those who know they can't store it, they have choices. They could forward sell, maybe have some call ownership. Uh, depending on what you want to do, there's just not a lot of bushels out there. So there'll be a lot of available storage next year. Keep an eye on your spreads. Mike, as you know, we like to throw puts under the market, keep a floor, give yourself that chance to roll that put up. We don't have bull markets often, and you don't want to miss them. So a put's actually a bullish thing, not to give you the sales pitch, but anyone who knows that they've sold cash right off the combine and didn't replace it with anything, uh, you know, making a cash sale is real, and you don't get to do redos here in the market. So it's a bull market. It's a demand market. We had weather problems in August. Let's learn how to be optimistic about commodity prices moving forward into 2021. Well, and one reason folks could be optimistic, of course, is the weakness in the U.S. dollar. We've seen a substantial decline in its value just since Tuesday and Election Day. Tommy, this is going to bode well for exports going forward, isn't it? A weak dollar is wonderful to trade. We talked earlier about the demand bull market. We talked about supply problems. You throw a weak dollar in there, this could almost become explosive. Now, I don't want anyone to get too excited because anytime we all get bulled up, you know what happens, Mike. We end up looking back at these videos and they'll say, oh, Tommy and Mike, we're all bulled up and look at them. They all look silly. So be as bullish as you can afford to be. That's you know, a- sell some cash grain and keep some upside. But this feels real. I'm excited. And, Tommy, it's not just corn and soybeans. Wheat has been exploding higher as well. When you look at the wheat market, of course, we've got dryness concerns in this country. We've got dryness concerns in Russia. Do you have a top-end target on Chicago wheat that you're aiming for yet? You know, Mike, I don't trade as much Chicago wheat as I used to. I only have a few customers I use that product. I'm more up north in the Minneapolis grain wheat, the uh, hard red spring based out of Minneapolis Grain Exchange. And uh, that one's not been performing as well, which is strange. When you look at the spread, usually your higher quality wheat, like your Minneapolis, then your Kansas City, then your board. But the money, Mike, we talked about money earlier. The money's in the Chicago contract. You couldn't move 10,000, 20,000 contracts at a clip in the Minneapolis thing. So the the Board of Trade wheat, to me, is more where the speculator is. The real high quality wheat's up north. I once have seen Minneapolis spring wheat trade 25. Now, I'm not that bullish, but we can go a lot higher from these prices. It's happened before. It can happen again. And you think spring wheat will be a benefactor at some point? Absolutely. A rising tide brings up all ships. A lot of commodities are going up. Spring wheat's going to go along for the ride. All right. Well, lots of things to keep an eye on. Tommy, livestock going higher. Final thought? Well, you have higher input costs, and that should scare the heck out of you. If you, need, if you have to get corn needs locked in or meal, keep an eye on your meal and corn. Those animals just, uh, they, they need to eat something. So it takes protein to make protein. Keep an eye on that. The whole world's trying to grow their herd and catch up from this whole corona. We, the world will not get caught short food again. And there's a food scarcity trade going on. And there's nothing that makes people feel better than a nice meal. That's true. Tommy Grizzafi, Advanced Trading. It's eight minutes before six o'clock news time here on WGN, and we've dropped a degree. My thermometer now says 50 degrees exact. 
is the current temperature for this Saturday morning. Well, I'm certainly not surprised anymore at the cancellations and the postponements for agricultural events, Farm Progress Show and Ohio Farm Science Review and all of the other events that uh, we missed this year because of the year of postponements and cancellations, but I'm still getting them in almost on a daily basis. And the one that came in this week, the officers of the Outstanding Young Farmers of America have announced that the 2021 National Outstanding Young Farmer Awards Congress, scheduled for February 4 through 7 in Appleton, Wisconsin, has been canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. The candidates for the 2021 Outstanding Awards Program will be recognized at the 2022 Awards Congress, which is planned for Hilton Head Island in South Carolina in February of 2022. And the uh, National Outstanding Young Farmer Awards Congress will be in Appleton, Wisconsin. Following that Congress, it will resume its scheduled rotation among the different regions. And uh, Sharon Page, who is the events coordinator for the National Outstanding Young Farmer Program, every year puts together a great program and a lot of hard work for former outstanding young farmers and the about-to-be-named Outstanding Young Farmers, a great program to recognize young people who get ready to devote their life to agriculture and to food production. So I'm sorry to see that there will be no Outstanding Young Farmer program next year in 2021 because of COVID-19. I've been involved with that uh, program and with that event uh, since 1965, when I first emceed that National Outstanding Young Farmer Awards Congress. But I certainly understand, as I have with all of the other events, and the one that I do find interesting is the 123rd National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention and Trade Show. That one has been postponed but not canceled and uh, scheduled for February 3, 4, and 5 of 2021. It'll now be held August 10, 11, and 12, 2021 at the Gaylord Opryland Convention Center in Nashville, Tennessee. And if you want to keep up with the program and the schedule changes in that one, here's the official website, convention.ncba.com. Dot org. There you can keep up to date on changes in events and activities at the Cattlemen's Convention that will now be held August 10 through 12 of 2021. And of course, Farm Bureau 
and Commodity Classic uh, have all changed their dates or they've uh, just simply canceled for a year and hope to get back on schedule next year. But it's the year of postponements and cancellations, and frankly, I'm getting tired of getting these emails, but I certainly understand why the concern over COVID-19 prevents large groups getting together. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Show. As Mike Pearson talked about some of the agricultural market activity this past uh, week, uh, they talked about the uh, demand for American farm products. And yesterday was no uh, exception to that buying by China and other countries continuing. Let me quickly go through the sales reported yesterday. First of all, 132,000 tons of soybeans to China and 272,150 tons of soybeans to unknown destinations. That's normally China when we get the reveal on that. And in addition to that, 206,900 tons of corn, again, sold to unknown destinations. And the final uh, sales report that I got yesterday from USDA was uh, the uh, sale of 33,000 metric tons of soybean oil to China. Oh, and the day before yesterday, a sale of 30,000.